0: If you allow me, I'm going to back up just a little bit uh, before we pick up with where we left off last week. Uh, the title of our series is Intentional Grandparenting, Passing Our Faith on to Our Grandchildren. I like the word intentional, and I challenged you last week and this week again that we kind of raised the bar a bit, the level of expectation that we have for ourselves in our influence in the life of our grandchildren. And I know that's not necessary, maybe for many of you, but uh, generally speaking, I tend to think that perhaps we as grandparents need to be far more intentional about our influence. And that's what this series is about. At some point, we're going to look at some of the barriers to that influence. I was asked the question this morning, a great question Well, what do you do when you're a long ways from your grandchildren, as Wanda and I are at the moment? And I said, we're going to get there. We're going to look at some of the barriers at some point to our influence as grandparents. A few scriptures that are kind of foundational to our conversation. How about this one? I didn't use it last week. Children's children are a crown to the aged, and parents... Are the pride of their children. Oh, children's children, your grandchildren are a crown to the aged. Oh, we all talk about how special our grandchildren are, don't we? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe you're prone to show photos. Hey, you want to see my grandchildren, right? Oh, we consider them a crown in our life. But you know, as I think about it, grandchildren are special. But so are grandparents. So I actually changed this slide. Last week, I had uh, the role of grandparents up there, and I said, wait a minute, I can do better than that. How about grandparents have a special role? You've got a special role, and you're going to hear me use some of that language as we go through our conversations. You have a special role, meaning you. Just like grandchildren are special." You're special as well. Look at this. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, O God, till I declare your power to what? The next generation, your might to all who are to come. Oh, do not forsake me. May I declare your power? Didn't we suggest last week from Deuteronomy 4 and 9? Only be careful and watch yourselves. Closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. A foundational verse when it comes to being a grandparent. And I'm going to suggest to you as I think about that verse more and more, it's not a suggestion. I don't think he's saying, hey, it would be good if you do this. I think it's worded in a way that it's our responsibility as grandparents to have that influence, to teach what you have seen and heard to your children and to your children's children. I have heard grandparents say at at times, something to this effect, I have raised my children. It is for them to raise their children. Have you heard grandparents say something like that? Now I don't want to be too hard on you if you have said something like that, but the more I think about that, I don't think that's what this scriptures say. I think the scriptures say you need to be intentional about the raising of your grandchildren, or if you don't want that language, how about this more specifically? You need to be intentional about passing your faith on to your children's children. That's exactly what this verse says. So I'm kind of leaning on you a bit if you kind of of retreat and see that as your children's role to raise their children. I get that. I understand that. But you have a special role is what I'm trying to say as well in the raising and the influence in the life of, of your grandchildren. Matter of fact, if you look at this verse, if we were to ask, well, how long? You know, do I retire from that role or what? Look at what it says. As long as you what? Live. And that's why last week we looked at Ephesians briefly and said marriage and family and parenting is a place of spiritual warfare. And I love this quote. We're in a raging battle for the hearts and minds of our children, and I would add, our grandchildren, that begins at the cradle and never ends this side of the grave. I'll be doing battle for the hearts and minds, the faith, the character of my children and my grandchildren. It began at their cradle. And it won't end this side of my grave. And I think that's what Deuteronomy is saying. For as long as I live, I'm going to try to be an influence in their lives. One of the things we talked about last week When we think about the goal of parenting and, therefore, the goal of grandparenting, we suggested that children are not like appliances. When it comes to parenting, there are no guarantees. The goal is to increase the odds, the probability of success. Now, I don't know if you are like me, but uh, as I think, uh, reflect back on my parenting... I can remember when my children played t-ball. Oh, I'm not supposed to move around too much, which is my tendency, by the way. Uh, I can remember when my children played t-ball. And I can distinctly remember them getting in the batter's box to hit this ball on a tee. And uh, I coached it for one year, and I see my child go and get in the box, and guess what I saw on the back of his jersey? My name. See, when he got in the batter's box, it was my name on the back of his jersey. Wages. And you know what? If he hit a home run, but you know what? Sometimes he would strike out. And I would suggest to you that there's maybe a little zing or a little sting when your child strikes out in T-ball. But I find that to also be true as they get older It would sting a lot more, perhaps, when they would choose their own way with little input from me. When they would choose their own way, perhaps, with little influence from me, that would sting a lot more. And so I find it important to remind parents that children aren't like appliances, They don't come with guarantees. There's nothing I can tell you as a parent in teaching parent education that comes with a guarantee. It's all about increasing the odds, the probability that they turn out well. Matter of fact, somebody said something along these lines, I remember one time, that children are more than their biology, more than their DNA. Guess what? They're more than their nutrition, They are more than their temperament. And watch this. They are certainly more than their parents' influence. And over the years, I've been kind of hard on myself at times about my parenting. What could I have done differently? But I take some real comfort in the fact that, hey, I think we gave them the opportunity to make their way, to choose to be people of character and faith. Choice is theirs right? Choice is theirs. But that's where you come in as grandparents. See, it's all about increasing the odds. I do indeed think it takes a village and you're very much, you have a very special role in increasing the odds that your grandchildren will be people of character and faith. Train up a child in the ways of He should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We said that's a probability, not a guarantee. Uh, It occurred to me a writing that uh, I like called The Molder of Dreams. Now, that's a really busy slide, right? I get it. (laughs) But uh, probably should have split it in two. Molder of Dreams. Guy Dowd, many years ago, was National Teacher of Year of the year, and he's got a very powerful story he tells. Uh, and in that story, uh, he shares the molder of dreams, and he's actually talking to teachers. Well, guess what? Parents are teachers. Deuteronomy 4 and 9 just said grandparents are teachers, right? So I use it with parents and grandparents, and I've modified it a little bit. I've adapted it a bit, but listen to this. You are the motor of their dreams, the caretakers who build or crush their young beliefs of right or wrong. You're the spark that sets aflame the poet's hand or or lights the flame of some great singer's song. You are the protector of the young, the very young, the guardian of a million dreams. Your every smile or frown can heal or pierce a heart. Yours are a hundred lives, a thousand lives. Yours is the pride of loving them and the sorrow too. Your patient work, your touch, make you the custodians of hope who fill their souls with dreams to make those dreams come true. Now I don't know if you can see that well enough to have a favorite line in there. Has anybody got a favorite line like, I really like, you are the spark that sets? Anybody got a favorite line in there? Scott? You are the guardian. Grandparents have a special role. Matter of fact, if we get there, if I speed up, if we get there, you're going to hear me say, you have a special role as a guardian of your grandchildren. Yes, that's in our lesson today. Anybody else got a line that maybe speaks to you? Yes, ma'am. The last one. Your patient work, your touch, make you the custodians of hope who fill their souls with dreams to make those dreams come true. Oh, that's good. You know, one of my favorite, or at least it speaks to me, is Yours is the pride of loving them, and the sorrow too. Isn't that true? That's for parents and grandparents. Yours is the pride of loving them, and sometimes the sorrow too. So let's pick up now kind of where we left off last week. Do you believe that parenting is more difficult today than it was, say, in 1930? If so, what makes it more difficult? I don't think we answered this last week. I think we stopped right here. Anybody? What do you think makes parenting more? Di- do you think it's more difficult today? And if so, what makes it more difficult today? Okay. It's no, no. Uh, matter of fact, one of the growing demographics in one of the growing demographics is grandparents as parents. Uh, matter of fact, it's a, a good acronym, G-A-P, GAP. You got grandparents as parents. You got grandparents who are standing in the gap. Maybe there's some reason why the ch- children aren't raising their own children. We've got a lot of grandparents in our country who are standing in the gap, who are raising their grandchildren. And there are some unique challenges with that, very much so. I take that very seriously, in fact. Someone else? Yes. Absolutely. I think you summarized it rather well. I can appreciate the uh, uh, not uh, wanting to date yourself to the 1930s. But I think you said it really well, right? It's like they have a much bigger world about them, available to them, reaching out to them, influencing them, than they did back in the 30s maybe life in some ways was simpler and maybe that was a good thing i think when we look at some of these changes it's going to go right along with what you said anybody else yes Hey, uh, I don't say as much about it when it comes to grandparenting as I do parenting, but uh, since you brought it up, the protection, as a matter of fact, that comes back to the grandparents have a special role as guardians, is the protection. Um, how many of you would send your child into the battlefield without a gun? Anybody? Or how many of you, if you're... Child was in a foreign land on a battlefield. Would not be calling and checking on them just about every. If they're on the battlefield today, you're going to be calling every hour to see if he's returned home safely, right? Returned back safely, isn't that true? You'd want to know how whether they were safe or not. Well, I'm here to tell you what you just said. If your grandchild has one of these in his hand or her hand, they're in a battlefield you got spiritual warfare all over this. And so when I talk to parents about protecting their children, look, I know parents who have zero control over this. Very little control of what kind of media comes into their home. Uh, Look, that's like sending your child out into a battlefield. Without your protection. So, yes, it's a more dangerous world out there. Last call. Any others on what maybe makes it more difficult today? Now, this will be a rather, don't miss anybody, rather busy slide. But, hey, it's I like the way the authors compared and contrasted 1930 to what I'm calling today. All right, watch this. Some of the differences, major transitions in lifestyle that I do think make parenting more difficult, more challenging uh, because of those influences out there. Watch this. I hope you can see that okay. Family interaction. In the 1930s, family interaction would be high. It's probably lower today. Uh, People work side by side oftentimes, especially back in agrarian society. They worked the field together. They worked. Side by side, and so there's a lot of family interaction in the routines of life. Here's a really big one. Comes back to what you said earlier: value systems. Back then, they were similar. Even within our local community, it's like most people held very similar values and beliefs and such. Uh, it was a community, right? And nowadays, we live in with very diverse. Value systems uh, that are held out before our children and grandchildren. How about this one? Uh, Similar in thought and ways. Role models. There were a lot of healthy role models back then with extended family and in the local community and such. Whereas now we have far more unhealthy role models that are held out before our children and grandchildren. We'll say, well, we probably won't get there today, but logical consequences. They were experienced back then, whereas today they're they're more easily avoided. I alluded to it last week, but the daily routine of life back then was such that you had a lot of responsibility, and if you did not satisfy your responsibility, you experienced a consequence as part... Rather quickly as part of the routine of life. I mentioned last week, if if you're if it's your responsibility to milk a cow at 5 o'clock in the morning and you don't do it, you've got a group of people sitting around a table looking at you and holding you accountable. Uh, same thing about the garden, you know. If it's your responsibility to pull the weeds so that we'll have a harvest and you don't do your job, you've got other people that you've got to Be accountable to. That was very much a part of the routine of life. And and that's different nowadays. It's a lot easier to avoid consequences for irresponsible behavior. Intergenerational bonds were many back then. Larger extended families and such. And perhaps fewer today, right? And so it says something about influence. Education, at least certainly in a formal sense, was... Less back then and more today. Technology was low back then and what? High today. Boy, does that not present some challenges for parents and grandparents today. Just the technology. All kinds of information. Uh, our children and grandchildren are exposed to all kinds of information today. Watch this. Good, bad, and ugly out there today, that they were somewhat shielded from, more so back then. Uh, This is one of my favorites, non-negotiable task. there were many back then, there are far fewer today. I remember a great aunt of mine, I never knew any of my grandparents, but I had a great aunt that would be my grandparent by choice, and she would tell me, I asked her, I said, uh, her family raised my father. And so I asked, you know, what was it like? I, I heard what it was like from my father. Unfortunately, normally when he was drinking, I would hear about his raising. So I'm being serious when I say I went to my my great aunt and said, well, here's what I've had heard from dad about his raising. And could you clarify some things for me? A serious conversation. But she told me that, We would get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, you'd get up at 4 o'clock in the morning? What for? And she said, well, if dad was up, if our father was up, you were up. See, there were 12 children. And if you were one of the older children, well, you got up at 4 o'clock. When dad got up, you helped mom prepare breakfast for a group of men that were coming to work the sawmill. And yes, after doing that, you did walk two miles to school this morning. It was a different way of life. And by the way, when you get out of school early afternoon at 2 o'clock, come home, and guess what? You get to go out to that garden and pull those weeds we were talking about earlier. That was, my great aunt said, that was very much a routine of life. In other words, there were many non-negotiable tasks. Uh, Parents back then were not afraid to say, because I said so. Right? Right? Yeah, I mean, it's non-negotiable. Uh, is there some reason we're having this discussion? You with me? Whereas today, the routines of life don't demand the same kind amount of non-negotiable task. How about family work is very related to that, what we're talking about. There was much back then. There's far less today. Now, I remember the Waltons. Watching one of those shows, guess what? The house needed painting. And I can remember uh, whatever her name was, the mom, saying, well, there's, a you know, like seven of us. We can knock that out in a day, right? You got all the kids out there with a brush, right? But perhaps one of the perils of affluence, we wouldn't let our children touch our house with a paintbrush for anything, right? Yeah, that's one of the perils of affluence. We don't work as much. Family size was large then, small now, you had to learn to negotiate, you had to learn to give in, and uh, you had a lot of socialization right there in your own home. Single step families were few back then, many today. I think back to your comment, if you look on that list and over here as well, there are far more external influences that are in the lives of our children and grandchildren. I like this quote from Glenn and Nelson. Children in those days, childhood in those days was an internship for life. There were many resources to encourage the growth of self-discipline, good judgment, and responsibility. Children learned life skills because they had meaningful roles to play in the economic lives of their families, the economic survival, even, I would add, of their families. And because, watch this, they grew up in stable environments in which they followed well-established value systems. Isn't that a great quote? And isn't it, I think, so true that things have changed and made it, I think, increasingly difficult to shape the character, the competence, and the faith of our children and our grandchildren. So let's begin a conversation. Let's see where I'm at Uh, time-wise. Let's begin a conversation that I would call, well, how do grandparents influence? And so number one, I'm going to suggest, will be involvement. And you'll notice an IRT there. That's something I talk to parents about, and I'll give you an abbreviated version. IRT individual, relationship, time. You know, the therapists and those kinds of folks talk about building strong families, and oftentimes that centers around family-oriented activities, right? We do things as a group, and I think that's appropriate and that's good. I would jokingly say, "Hey, I've done some family-oriented activities. That, hey, you know, I've been on vacation before. Where at midnight, I'm saying I'm headed home. I've had all the family-oriented activity. I can stand for a bit. And uh, but I would suggest this to you: you build strong families by building strong dyads. You build strong families by building strong." dyadic relationships, one-on-one, Relation. and guess what, if you take care of the one-on-ones, then when you come together as a family, guess what, everybody knows their place, everybody's okay with where they stand, and we do a lot better as a family when we've paid attention to the dyadic relationships, you with me, let me see if I can explain why I think this is so important. <clears throat> I'm going to abbreviate a story that I normally tell parents. A true story, it's the story of Blake. Blake was an 11-year-old. His father was actually a physician. And at 11 years old, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And so his parents were taking him from Abilene, Texas, over to the Dallas Metroplex for all kinds of tests. And so they were doing all these stressful tests during the day. Obviously, the parents are alarmed and anxious, and, and they were going to see neuro this, neuro that, and doing all these tests. And then in the evenings, they would try to take Blake out for some happy diversions, if you know what I mean, right? They would go to Bass Pro Shop. They would go to... Uh, uh, the movies, whatever he would want to kind of alleviate his stress and what was going on, and uh, the mother goes on in her writing to me and describes all that anxiety very vividly they didn 't know if he would live or not if they 'd see these smiles again or not, and so Sunday rolls around, and there uh, they had returned to Abilene with uh, after all the tests and such, and the surgery was scheduled for monday and so On Sunday, they drive Blake and his three siblings over to an uncle's and aunt's house. The children were going to stay there while Blake had his surgery. And the uncle comes up, watch this, out of the mouth of babes. The uncle comes up to uh, Blake and he says, Hey, I'm sorry, buddy, that this has been such a a hard week for you. And then she writes, Blake looks surprised looked at his uncle and says, what do you mean? This has been the best week of my life. I've had mom and dad all to myself. Out of the mouth of babes, I read that story and it hit me. At some level, every child wants to be an only child. At some level, every child wants your undivided attention. It's so important for parents to... Uh, cultivate one-on-one relationships with each of their children. And guess what? Grandparents can do that too. That's where you come in. You see, I have it here. Grandparents are special. They give their time. So you have a special role in giving your time. Listen to this uh, to illustrate that point a little further. What is a grandmother? Here's what a third grader said. A grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own. She likes other people's little girls and boys. A grandfather is a man grandmother. He goes for walks with the boys and they talk about fishing and stuff like that. Grandmothers don't have to do anything except be there. They're old so they shouldn't play hard or run. It is enough if they drive us to the market where the pretend horse is and have a lot of dimes ready. Or, if they take us for walks, they should slow down past things like pretty leaves and caterpillars. They should never say, hurry up. Usually grandmothers are fat. No offense. She wrote it, not me. Usually grandmothers are fat, but not too fat to tie your shoes. They wear glasses and they can take their teeth and gums off. Grandmothers don't have to be smart, only answer questions like, why isn't God married? And how come dogs chase cats? Grandmothers don't talk baby talk like visitors do because it's hard to understand. When they read to us, they don't skip. <laughs> Grandfathers skip. Been there, done that. When they read to us, they don't skip or mind if it is the same story over again. Everybody should try to have a grandmother because they are the only grown-ups who have time. Our point. Individual relationship time. This, she ends with, they are the only grown-ups who seem to have time. You see, you as grandparents are special because you're available because you give your time. Oh, I remember a uh, uh, nephew of mine. This isn't being recorded, right? A uh, nephew of mine was in church as a seven-year-old. And his family, his father made uh, made a lot of money. He lived in the $700,000 house. And dad flew out on Sundays and would fly back in on Thursday is kind of a high-powered attorney. That was kind of the routine. Look, this child's playroom was bigger than my den with all sorts of toys and gadgets and you name it, you know, best that money could buy. And so at church as a seven-year-old, the teacher says, could y'all describe your favorite fun time? And he thinks a moment. He says, well, my favorite fun time was when I walked down to the water and threw rocks in the water with Grandpa. Again, out of the mouth of babes, he's got all kinds of gadgets and toys that cost all kinds of money, and you know what he remembers? He remembers walking down to the water and playing Skip the Rock with his grandfather who was available and gave time. So when it comes to parenting and grandparents, parenting, less, the formula is simple, less time equals less influence. Uh, got any gardening people in here? I bet we do. Some people that like to garden? Like to garden? Okay. Now I'm going to suggest something. Um, I could come to your house and look at your garden And then I could walk over to your fence and look over the fence at your neighbor's garden. And I could tell you, just like that, who's putting the most time in their garden. You know I could, can't you? You know I could. Why? Because the formula is simple. Less time equals less influence. Wow. And I would suggest to you, we've tried to make ourselves feel better for our busyness as parents sometimes uh, by saying that, hey, I spend quality time with my kids. Uh, I get that. You know, I've probably used that in the past, but I'm here to tell you, the more I think about it, quality time takes place in the context of quantity time. There are some moments where you just have to be there to see your child or grandchild score score their first run, you just got to be there. Quality time is includes those unexpected moments where they do ask you questions like, why isn't God married? And you can turn it around and say, but I can tell you why I am. I can tell you why I love your poppy so much. Right? And tea, have those tea teachable moments. You simply can't think efficiency with people. You think effectiveness with people and efficiency with things. I've tried to give 10 minutes of quality time to a child or an employee to solve a problem, only to discover such efficiency creates new problems and seldom resolves the deepest concerns. Oh, see how I'm doing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, working with people, including your children and grandchildren, is not going to be efficient. If I have a lawnmower, I want it to be efficient. But I've found that working with people and trying to help people, even my own family, is not very efficient. Well, included in this being an involved grandparent, being available with your time, this is where we come back to what Scott said earlier when we were reading about being a guardian. That you're a guardian. You see, one thing about being an evolved grandparent, I mean an evolved parent, is awareness. My wife was always good at that. She would pray that we would be aware. If our children were involved in something they didn't need to be involved in, that we would be aware of it. Lo and behold, one night I get a phone call and um on the phone and I hear Amy, that was my strong willed child I introduced you to. Making plans with the group to go here and do this. Where she should not be going and doing. You with me, huh? And I'm on the phone listening to this. Like Amy has called home. Now whether it's providential or what, I don't know. But Amy wasn't talking to me. She was talking to the friends. And I just chalk it up to my wife saying, being a prayer warrior that you help us be aware of how our children are doing. And I'm listening to this, and so it hangs up a few minutes. I call Amy and say, hey, what you doing? Oh, we're over here. Where are you going? Oh, I think you need to come home. You need to come home now. It's an awareness. And so what we're talking about here as far as grandparents' influence is yes, in fact, Grandparents stand in the gap when it comes to time and when it comes to awareness. You, it, it could very well be that your children are way too busy. You know, if I had it to do, do over again, I would work less back then. It may be that your children are way too busy. Guess what? You're available you stand in the gap when it comes to the time that they need, and you also stand in the gap when it comes to awareness. What are you aware of? Well, I'm, I'm aware of their mood. Hey, have y'all noticed how Johnny seems a lot quieter lately? You're aware of uh, changes in their attitude. You're aware of changes in their friends. You with me? You're aware of certain changes in their behavior. You know, I've noticed Johnny's been a lot more disrespectful lately. You think something's going on with him? That's being a guardian. That's being aware. Let me see. Have they rang a bell yet? They haven't. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm right at this transition point. I don't think, well, we can't even go, though. Hey, there it is. <clears throat> we may as well start. not start another one. Let me ask, uh, since we've got a few minutes here, and I'm at a transition point, let me hear from some of you, like, how you spend time with your grandchildren, or awareness, whatever you'd like to speak to. Somebody, got a few minutes, and we'll break up. Need a few examples. Yeah, I know you're a tough crowd. Yes. I want you to come back next week because we're going to read what a grandchild wrote about a grandparent being at all of their. Are you their biggest fan? Biggest fan. See, you can be their biggest fan. You're their biggest cheerleader, right? See, one thing we'll say next week is that as a grandparent, you get to give the grandchildren the big head. And parents can't do that. Parents aren't supposed to give their kids the big head. But grandparents can. And so you can go and cheer, and whether they strike out or not, you can give them the big head, right? You know? Somebody else? How you spend time? Yes. 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 Right. Yes. You know that's uh that's a good point. Uh you have far less than that. Yes. And that's that extended family. Right. <laughs> no, those are good points. You know, was there. Ooh, ooh, did y'all hear that? That kind of fits with that guardians. You know, she knew what I was doing and where I was. There's some supervision there. Let me say this and then we'll let you go. Uh, In terms of family history and such, sometimes we have the notion that, oh, mom would stay at home and she just tended to relationships. But I'm here to tell you, in more of an agrarian society and such as that, uh, it wasn't just leisure staying at home. Uh, See, mom was out there in the field pulling those weeds with kids a lot of times, right? And mom was getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do breakfast for all the men coming into the sawmill. It wasn't a life of leisure. I'm just tending to relationships. But it was involvement. Absolutely. Proverbs 31. Hey, see you. thank you for that. And we'll see you guys next week. And in the meantime... Touch the lives of your grandchildren.